Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners, and all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. to the Table for One podcast where we talk about what it's like to cook for one and share practical tips for simplifying and enjoying your single life. This week, I'm chatting about what to do when you're hungry and don't have anything planned for dinner. But before I jump in, I wanted to share a little disclaimer. While I am a dietitian and I can work with clients, I believe in individualized nutrition information. And so with that said, these uh, recommendations that I'm giving today are general recommendations, and I would advise everybody who's listening to please seek out more specific nutrition advice or information from a registered dietitian who can work with you individually um, and give specific recommendations to you or any other medical uh, professional for other medical inter- interventions. So here's the scenario, the scenario that happens all too often. I get home from a long day at work. Well, I mean, I did. Now I close my computer after a long day of thinking and talking about food. I walk over to the kitchen. I open up the fridge. I look inside and I don't find anything. I either have an empty fridge or a fridge full of raw ingredients that resemble nothing that I'd be able to eat right away or that I would be exciting to eat. So I think for a second, am I going to just make eggs again? How about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or cereal yet another night? I would imagine that you can relate to that. So many times, um, you know, you've got a fridge full of ingredients or a fridge empty with nothing in it and, and, and you're hungry. So what do you do? Do you go and order uh, delivery? Do you go to your favorite takeout place? Do you go to the grocery store and pick up something that's pre-made and ready to eat? Or do you, you know, make that PB and J one more night? So I am going to focus on a couple options of making food tonight or making food for that night. And the reason why I want to do that instead of give full, you know, all of the options is I think most of us have a pretty good idea of the things that we would buy at, you know, our favorite restaurant. Um, if we're going to, you know, go to the grocery store and pick something up that's pre-made, there's lots of options there. They're pretty simple for us. What I really want to focus on is, is what to do if you want to cook more at home or if you want to stay home and make something really fast. So, you know, there really are two options for you. One of them is um, an option that really just takes a little bit of preparation, as in going to the grocery store and stocking up on frozen, ready-to-eat options. And the other one takes a little bit of thought, but it's thought that you can put in once 
And I will talk about that and then put in a little bit of thought in the moment to do some, some planning on the spot and to throw something together pretty quickly. And, um, and, and the reason why I like these two options is because they both yield really great and delicious results. Just like if you planned on either of them the whole time. So outside of the five minutes, 15 minutes before, uh, before you started cooking or, preparing whatever to eat dinner. So my first option is freezer meals. And I really wanted to bring this up because it's something that I had kind of been opposed to for a really long time. And and a lot of people are opposed to it as well. And I just want to kind of, you know, provide another option and give, share the permission that I've given myself to then allow you to give yourself permission to try these options as well. Because again, at the end of the day, the point here is to eat. We need to feed ourselves. Our bodies need the energy and the nutrients. Um, so our bodies can function. And so, you know, Eating something is the goal, and that could be grabbing something out, it could be making something really, really, really simple like cereal, or it could be throwing together something that's straight from the freezer or putting together something else. So let's talk a little bit more about those freezer meals. So I just highly recommend, you don't have to completely stock your freezer, but I would recommend having a couple of options on hand. So that could be meals that are ready and in a box they're ready to be microwaved and eaten maybe a meal that you just throw on the skillet one that does take a little bit of time you know not just two or three minutes to cook in the microwave but it doesn't take any any thought you don't have to plan you don't have to think about what you're going to make you just follow the directions and then it's going to be ready in 10-15 minutes also frozen burritos are a great option because they're handheld they're portable they're super easy and you can pack a lot of fun and exciting ingredients in a burrito. And, you know, also there are many options out there that do incorporate whole grains, proteins, and vegetables. And you can always stock up on frozen vegetables too, and you can add those to your dish. But one consideration that I would recommend, um, is, well, actually I have two. So one of them is about vegetables. So I, you know, as a dietitian, it's great to get vegetables in, but that it's definitely possible to overdo it on vegetables. And if you don't have anything on hand and then feel guilty about that, that's not a productive feeling. Or if you feel like you should be adding vegetables, but it's not sounding that great to you that day, that's okay. Don't add them. I am a believer in the fact that you know, when you're looking at nutrition, if you look at kind of what you eat as a whole, as opposed to every individual meal, and it's going to balance out eventually, it might balance out for the next meal, it might balance out the next day, the next week, it all balances out and that's okay. These are all tactics that I encourage people to follow because it makes your life easier. And so if there's anything that you're doing that is making your life harder and less enjoyable, then that's something that needs to be addressed. Okay, back to my other consideration. So my other consideration is to pay more attention to your hunger and fullness cues than to calorie information on freezer meals. Because in reality, many of the freezer meals that you find are going to be 
diet meals. And I'm, and I'm imagine me putting up air quotes as I say diet meals. They're ones with not a whole lot of calories and, and that could lead to meals that are not very satisfying and don't fill you up in the way that you need. I do recognize that um, and want you to realize that calories provide energy for us. It's like gassing up your car. We need energy to think just as your car needs energy or gas for it to move, for it to not break down. And we need energy. We need that gas in our tanks so we can think, so we can move around, so we can work and for our bodies to work at that basic level, for our heart to beat, for our lungs to take in oxygen and then to release it and to move the oxygen to our, the muscles in our bodies and throughout our bodies, for our, our brain to be able to function at a basic level and at higher levels as well. So calories are important, but not necessarily in the way that we traditionally think. So again, instead of focusing on the calories that are in the the dish that you are heating up, particularly if it's, you know, a serving size or whatever, and it's kind of a controlled serving size, which isn't necessarily bad, but it is important to recognize that maybe you're going to be in a position where, where you're going to need more than that. Maybe you're really hungry. And after you, after you finish eating, you're, you just don't feel satisfied. Those are important um, realizations. Those are important feelings to acknowledge and then to, to use. And that might be to continue to eat or maybe on the other end, you're, you're, you're not that hungry. And so you can just save some for later and that's okay as well. So recognize that feeling full isn't a bad feeling and just know that it takes experimentation and practice to get tuned into our own bodies to recognize our individual signs and signals of hunger and fullness and to know that those change all the time based off of our activity levels, um, what we're doing throughout the day, our health and, you know, so many other things. So that's why I really encourage people to focus on our own feelings as opposed to calorie information and calorie information can be wildly inaccurate and not apply to us, um, very well. And that's a whole other thing, but just keep that in mind. It's really helpful, kind of opens up the door for you to be able to look at eating a little bit more positively and, you know, to focus on nourishing your body and to know that sometimes that's with foods that quote unquote might not be the ones that you would imagine or, um, traditionally put in that box of being particularly healthy and that's okay as well. All right. My next option here is a little bit more involved and one that I just love. So I call this option, option two, the pantry method option. So it really is focusing on stocking your kitchen. And when I, I'm going to use kitchen and pantry interchangeably. When I say kitchen, I mean pantry. When I say pantry, I mean kitchen because when you're stocking food, it's not just going to be in your, you know, dry pantry foods, probably something's in your fridge and, and something's in your freezer. So pantry seems to be a little bit more descriptive to me than kitchen does, because I'm not talking about appliances. I'm talking about food. And I hope that is clear enough. So what I, what I'm saying about stocking your, 
your kitchen with pantry essentials is making sure to have a couple of grains, a couple of proteins, and a couple of vegetables on hand. And those could be, you know, in your pantry and in your freezer in particular. And realize that this is a simple template formula for you know, ingredients to have on hand. There's no need to follow that exactly. You, you can adjust it as needed based off of what you have on hand or based off of what sounds good to you, but it's just a good place to start. So a couple examples of grains that you can have on hand would be, you know, white or brown rice. I have rice in my pantry as well as in my freezer because the pantry rice is great and it does well on days that I have about a half an hour to, to cook, but sometimes I don't have that time or I'm not, I'm, or I'm really hungry or, you know, I've got somewhere I have to be, so I don't have time to, to cook something for a half an hour. So freezer rice is a really fantastic example. You can buy it at the grocery store frozen already and ready to be microwaved for a couple of minutes, or you can take it upon yourself and, and batch cook some rice. When I say batch cook, what that means is that you're going to cook extra of an ingredient. So back to that rice example, if you are cooking rice, instead of cooking just one or two servings for one or two meals, cook four to six or even more depending on how much room you have. That way you're able to use that rice in different ways for different meals. So, and you, and you're not adding any additional time to cooking it because you're cooking it with what you're already cooking. It's just going to take a few minutes to package it up individually to have in the fridge or in the freezer so you can use it for later. But I really like this idea of, um, of batch cooking because it saves time while allowing you or not forcing you to eat leftovers every day. And so a way to do that, and this is something that I will go more in depth in later in another episode is, you know, just having the individual ingredients ready to kind of throw together. And I'll leave that at that, but I'm a huge fan of batch cooking. Okay. So my next idea, so I already talked about rice and the couple options for that. I love having pasta on hand as well, whether it's whole grain, whether it's white pasta, there's so many diff different shapes. It's kind of like the mac and cheese where regular mac and cheese is great, but having the shaped mac and cheese, whatever superhero, whatever it is, that just tastes so much better. And I feel that way about pasta too. Spaghetti is cool, but linguine is great. And I'm not even going to try to say all the other um, shapes because I can't think of any, but there's lots of fun shapes and that can keep things interesting. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't taste any different necessarily, but the texture is definitely different. It gives you a different experience while eating. I also like to have other less common ingredient or grains on hand. So a couple that I have in my pantry right now, I have Israeli couscous, which I really like. Couscous is usually a really, really small bead uh, of a grain. And it's actually made out of the same type of wheat that pasta is. So it tastes just like pasta, but it's got a different texture and it is, and it's pretty different. I like this Israeli couscous because it's 
about four times bigger, I would say, and maybe, maybe the size of a normal, like, um, pin, like, like if you were using, um, a, like if you were sewing one of those, a pin to kind of save your, to pin two items together, two pieces of fabric together. That is about as big as they are. And again, it tastes just like pasta. The texture is nice. I've, I've been really loving those lately. And it's a good way, just as pasta, you can eat it hot or cold. So I really like that grain. Um, you could do quinoa, have that on hand. Quinoa cooks up fairly quickly, so you don't necessarily have to have it frozen. Um, there's lots of different types of wheat that you could have. And some of them, like certain wheat berries, will take a lot of time to cook because they're really, they've got a really tough outer shell. And those are ones that you might want to buy that are parboiled or or that have some sort of processing beforehand to save you some time or that are frozen and ready to go. I think that's about it for grains. My next ingredient or uh, category that I like to have on hand are proteins. And this is nice because it could be so many different options. So again, starting in the pantry, having canned or dried beans on hand. I don't have many canned beans on hand anymore because I have an instant pot and I, I love using dried beans in there and it, and they cook up quickly for dried beans, about a half an hour, 40 minutes, depending on whether they've been soaked or not, but that's pretty quick for beans. But again, if you're looking for something super fast or don't have time to batch cook those beans and freeze them, I would recommend canned beans. They're a fantastic option. And um, they just take on any flavor that you add to them and are very versatile, high in fiber and a good protein source and are just really great. I also love having individually packaged fish in my freezer. So I've, for example, right now I've got salmon and I have halibut, I think. And then I also have shrimp. Shrimp is fantastic because it cooks up so fast, cooks up so, so fast. And I really like those because, you know, you can just defrost it in some warm or hot water and and you can just dump dunk the you know the prepackaged individually packaged fish in there and that's really easy or or you can just you know depending on how you're cooking it you can throw it on frozen I do that a lot it doesn't taste quite as great but it saves time and sometimes that convenience is really important in addition to seafood in my freezer, I like having chicken tenders, for example. So not necessarily chicken breasts, although those are fine. I like the tenders because they're smaller and they cook up really fast. I also have edamame in my freezer. So edamame is something that I discovered while eating at Japanese restaurants. It was, it's, it has been often served as an appetizer with salt on it. It's really good. You can get it shelled or, um, in the shell and it's just a great, really basic neutral flavor. And it's a good source of protein and it's frozen. They, you know, I just, add it to pasta or something as it's cooking and it cooks up really quickly and easily. And that's just a fantastic option there for protein and some fiber as well. 
All right. So as far as vegetables go, gosh, you know, there's so many options with vegetables. I like to have some frozen vegetables on hand and honestly, like whatever sounds good as I'm at this store, if I need more, usually I'll get some sort of a mixture or frozen broccoli, but you could do anything. And you know, they're so versatile. They're so easy. And I like to call these vegetables like open and dump vegetables because you can add it to nearly done pasta as it's boiling for those last couple minutes. You can use, just add it to the pasta water. You can add it to stir fries. You can add it to fried rice. You could really add it to anything and they're really easy and they're very flavorful um, when cooked right because they're picked when they're very fresh and, um, and they're inexpensive, which is good. As far as fresh vegetables, I like to have carrots and celery sometimes. I like to have onions and I do minced garlic, pre-chopped minced garlic because it just saves so much time. Um, and I have shallots sometimes. Some of those vegetables are nice to have on hand because they do last a little bit longer. Oh, like and potatoes, sweet potatoes and beets also last uh, a fairly long amount of time. I like to have those on hand. And then I will also kind of rotate between different greens and other random vegetables and keep those in my, um, in my crisper to keep them to last a little bit longer. So those are some other vegetables that I like to have on hand as well. And then finally, the, you know, the ingredients that pull that all together. I like to have flavorings on hand. So those could be different sauces in my fridge. I am a big fan of Thai food and my parents both cook great Thai food. So fish sauce, um, Thai curry, you know, it's like a curry paste, soy sauce, um, and oyster sauce are all sauces that I have on hand, sriracha as well, uh, rice vinegar. Gosh, there's a lot that I have. Uh, pomegranate molasses is like one of the best uh, flavorings and it's so easy and it's so delicious. I also like to have, I, I have some fresh herbs, so I'm trying to grow some um, to save some money, but also really liked dried herbs and spices as well. So... I, one, I'm going to add in a little organization tip here, but I really, one thing that I've done that's been super helpful for me in, in making sure that I'm not buying multiples and also saving me time and, and, uh, kind of the effort as I'm cooking. So one of the organization tips that I found to be super helpful is to distribute the spices in containers on its own. So I've got just two plastic containers that I just put my spices in. And that's really helpful because I don't have a drawer that I can pull out and, you know, look at them. And so I have all of my spices in two different containers. I can pull the whole container out, grab what I need and put it back. And another thing that's really, really helpful for me is, um, chalkboard markers. So I have used chalkboard markers. I sprayed chalkboard paint on a lot of jars that I have that I will talk about a little bit, but I also use those chalkboard markers to write the name of the spice that I have on the lid. Cause at least for me, 
and the the containers that I'm using to store my spices, they're not big enough to put them on their side. So you can't see what's there. And they just take up way less room when they're stored upright. And so I write the name of the spice on the top so I can grab that quickly and see that. So that way it saves me some time and effort and especially not buying more um, extra of what I already have. And then another tip for spices. So I love to buy my spices out of bulk sections at the grocery store. Saves a lot of money and you don't have to buy a ton if it's a spice that you're not going to use a whole lot. And so, like I said, I like to use chalkboard markers. And so what I did was I grab, I cleaned out a big peanut butter um, jar and I sprayed the whole thing with chalkboard paint and then I just write on on there what I have so that way I put all those little bags of spices that are too too small to fit in a jar but also you know get kind of messy and are all, all over the place I, I I put all of those in that bigger jar and then write down what I have on the outside and then I'll erase it when it's gone and then I'll know what I have. Because the worst is is having a bunch of random little bags floating around, not knowing what's in them, and then buying more of that exact same thing. So I found that to be super helpful. Okay. And oh, and then two other flavorings that I or three other flavorings that I absolutely love are um, lemon and lime juice or just citrus and then also vinegars. I love having those on hand and you can also freeze the lemon or lime juice if, if it's about to go bad. And I did want to bring up one extra thing about flavoring and making, um, making use of all of those ingredients that you have on hand. So it can be really overwhelming or, um, it can be, it just can be really overwhelming to try to think of what to make with these, these foods, all of these ingredients. So I came up with the idea of, of these formula meals. So essentially you're at, you know, you're having a grain, you're having a, a protein and you're having a vegetable. And like I said before, it doesn't have to follow that exact formula. Um, you know, you can do, just a protein and just a vegetable, just a, a grain, just a protein, whatever it is based off of your preferences that day as well as what you have on hand. And I like that idea because it really, you know, allows you to, to use what you have to make it simple, but to give you a little bit of direction. So a couple of formula meal ideas that I really like are pasta and a protein that could be chicken, it could be edamame, beef, pork, fish, and a vegetable. And so you can add pasta sauce to that. You can add lemon and save some of the pasta water to thicken it up. You can add some cheese to it, uh, you know, Italian herbs maybe, and that's it. Super easy. You could also make fried rice. So have brown or white rice as the base, add some protein like chicken, edamame, beef, or pork. Also add fish to that. That's another formula meal idea. And then also a burrito bowl would work. So you could do rice again or quinoa if you wanted to, and then some sort of protein, whether it be black beans, pinto beans, you could do pork, chicken, gosh, beef, so many different options there. And then maybe some lettuce on top or uh, peppers, zucchini, whatever you have on hand. 
or frozen uh, vegetables as well. Another formula meal would be a salad. So you could do, you know, vegetables on the salad, whatever you have on hand, um, uh, some sort of protein, whether it's beans, whether it's chicken, fish, any of those options that I said before, and maybe have some, a grain inside of it. So rice, quinoa, um, pasta, if you wanted to, I guess, or you could have bread on the side and then your favorite salad dressing. Also a sheet pan meal where you roast a protein and vegetables. And you could, you know, if you've got potatoes that are cut pretty small, you could roast those as well and then add some spices to it. Or finally a foil packet, which is similar to the sheet pan, but will be a little bit more moist usually and um, tender than a sheet pan meal could be. And so one concern that I hear a lot of is, you know, how, how do I know what tastes good? How do I make sure that I make something that is going to be good and that I'm not gonna like wanna throw away right away? So I've got two options for you. I bought a book called The Flavor Bible that I really like. I bought the vegetarian one because it has more um, global flavors to it. And I feel like meat is a little bit simple to, to pair. And so essentially the vegetarian flavor Bible or the regular flavor Bible is going to give you a list of foods that pair really well or ingredients that pair really well with a certain one. So say, oh, I've got pomegranate molasses that I want to use, which I probably should use mine because it's about to go bad. Um, so what is going to taste good with that? So under pomegranate molasses, it'll describe the flavors and then it'll also give some flavor options that taste good with it usually. And so that way you can look through and choose foods or ingredients that you like that and know that they generally taste good together and then you know that you're in a better place with that option. Also, if you don't want to buy a book, I'd recommend just Google flavor pairings with whatever ingredient and that way you can see what typically goes well with that. Okay, so that was really it. Again, um, my thoughts here are having a, a well-stocked pantry with ingredients, particularly grains, proteins, and vegetables in your pantry and in your fridge and freezer, and then using those to throw together a formula meal. So whether that be uh, a pasta dish, fried rice, a burrito bowl, a salad, a sheet pan meal, or a foil packet meal. Um, any of those are really easy and there's I mean, you can make so many different flavor combinations with those. Or if you need something that's really easy, I highly recommend stocking your freezer with a couple of good freezer meals. Ones that you can microwave, that you can um, cook on the skillet, whatever it is that you need, those all wor will work. And hopefully the, these ideas will save you from, you know, those boring dinners a couple times a week. It's not always possible to cook at home or to put any effort into it, but... There's lots of options for days that you can and want to cook at home. And then, you know, there's so many options on days that you don't want to or can't, and that's okay as well. Uh, planning meals is often really beneficial so you can eat delicious food and know what's coming. But again, in the reality and the reason why I wanted to share these options is that planning isn't always an option for us if we don't have time or we don't take the time. And either way, that's okay. So, 
that is it for this week. Um, next week I'm going to be doing my first I eat alone interview. I'm really excited to share that interview. Um, and an interview with somebody who cooks for herself and herself alone and to share that cooking for one can be empowering. And I'm here to show you how. Thanks so much for listening to the Table for One podcast with Rebecca. If you're cooking for one or know somebody who is, make sure to subscribe to the Table for One podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date on new episodes that will help you make cooking for one easier and more enjoyable. Feel free to continue the conversation over at in the Table for One Facebook group. You can also find recipes or work with Rebecca over at nourishnutritionblog.com or honestly, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram. My handle is Nourish Nutrico, and you can click on the link of my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week. Bye.